Welcome to Get the Balance Right, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and firm owners looking to grow their business in a healthy, sustainable way. I'm your host, Heather Zeitzwolf. I'm a CPA and I serve this community with coaching and profit advising. Please join me as I talk with leaders in digital media, branding, advertising, design, marketing, and SEO. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Get the Balance Right. On today's show, I have a special guest, Carl Sakis. Chances are, if you are in the agency space, you probably have heard of this man. He is pretty legendary. I discovered Carl after three people within a 24-hour period told me about Carl. I was like, who is this guy? I got to check him out. I have been a fan ever since. This man is incredible. He writes blogs. He puts on webinars. He's a coach. He is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things agency. He recently put out a blog about the roles in an agency, and I thought, hmm, that would be an interesting topic for the podcast. So I invited him on my show, and he said yes. In this podcast, we talk about how Carl defines the six agency roles. Those categories are account manager, project manager, subject matter expert, strategist, business development, and support. We unpack all of these in today's episode. Carl, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Welcome. Heather, great to be here. Thanks. You have a lot of amazing blog posts. You had one recently about six agency roles. But before we dive into that, I know you're pretty legendary, but can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the services that you provide? As an agency consultant and coach, I specialize in helping agencies grow without the usual growing pains. That includes growing profitably while helping the owners work fewer hours and be less stressed as they run their agency. Thank you. All right. And can we just dive in now to the article that you wrote, The Six Agency Roles, explains what the idea was behind the blog post. And you said in the blog post that a lot of agency owners were struggling with this. One of the challenges that agencies face as they grow is which is the role to hire next? And then as they keep growing, how to make changes to their agency structure and their team structure. And if you can be more intentional about it, you can make better choices. The flip side, if you get it wrong, is I'll hear from agency owners saying, I just hired this person and they're not working out and this and that. And sometimes they weren't the right person or the right role to hire in the first place. So if you can be more intentional, you can make better choices and ultimately hit your agency growth goals, your personal and professional goals. So in my work with hundreds of agencies all over the world, I've identified six unique agency roles or role categories. Let's take a look at the six in general, and then we can dig deeper on any of them. And something to keep in mind is that as your agency grows, in the early days, you might be doing three different roles. And eventually, you might do two, and eventually, you might do one, as well as members of your team. So it is normal to wear multiple hats, but it helps to think about the different aspects of your role as an individual role, even if you're doing two different things. Uh, Does that make sense before we dig in on the six? Oh, yeah, yeah. So my clients, uh, for the most part, I work with very small firms. They wear multiple hats and they're getting to the point where they want to bring on new hires. They have contractors. They want to know which 
role should they fill first and maybe at what point in time they should do that. You broke it down into six different roles, which I found very interesting. On your list was account manager. Yeah. So account management is the role or AM is about keeping clients happy and at most agencies upselling them more work. So they are the day-to-day client contact and they are the voice of the client within the agency. The second category is project management or PM. Your PMs may be client-facing, but project management is primarily about getting work done smoothly, efficiently, and profitably within the agency. And of course, at a smaller agency, someone may be doing account management and project management, although there are some risks to, to doing that. We can dig in there. The third category is your subject matter experts, your SMEs. Your subject matter experts include designers, developers, copywriters, analysts, things like that people who are practicing their craft all day long. So their job is to do their billable work. They may still be client-facing, ideally aren't getting interrupted too much by your clients. So you've got account management, project management, SMEs, your subject matter experts. Hey there, this is Heather. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also a CPA and profit advisor. I help creative agencies grow in a sustainable manner. Right now, I'm offering a complimentary healthcare check of your business. So if you go down to the show notes, you'll see a link and you can sign up. All right, now back to the show. Fourth category is strategist. Now, strategists are technically a subject matter expert, but I break them out into their own category because they're a unique kind of subject matter expert. Your strategists tend to be very client-facing. There's an account management component, and they tend to be more broadly skilled than your other subject matter experts. So strategists, what is their job? Their job is to identify how do we spend the client's budget in the highest ROI way possible? How do you get the highest return on investment on the client's budget? That's what the strategist does. Two more categories. One is what I would call biz dev. Now, a lot of people think of BizDev as sales, and that is true, but there are actually three components, the way I define BizDev in that category for agencies. First is about marketing, people who are generating leads, overseeing positioning for the agency, things like that, marketing, sales, working on one-on-one sales opportunities. And the third subcategory within BizDev, I call partnerships. That's developing referral partnerships with other agencies with industry influencers, with software platforms, and others. And that's about building those relationships to get opportunities to come in from various sources. And then the final category, the final category, I would call that support. Those are your operations and agency leadership roles. So your operations team, resource management, executive assistant, office manager, that kind of thing. And you may not have people dedicated in those roles, depending on the agency size, but ultimately working behind the scenes to make everything else run more smoothly and more efficiently. So again, to recap on the six, account management or AM, project management or PM, your subject matter experts, your SMEs, strategist, biz dev, and support. Small company, when the owner's probably wearing multiple hats, trying to do their own work. So they're the subject matter expert. They're also the account manager. They're the support. At what point in time do you think that this owner should be, rather than working in their business, start working on their business? Ideally, as soon as possible. So if you're listening and you're currently an owner of your agency or you're building an agency, 
it's hard to outsource account management and project management. Account management, because your clients are used to talking to you. They see you as the voice of the agency. Likewise for strategy. They don't want to feel like they're assigned to a junior strategist or someone other than you because they want access to you. Eventually, that's going to have to shift. Initially, that's a bit harder. My suggestion is that if you are an owner and you're currently doing subject matter expert work, could be design, could be development, could be strategy, could be copywriting, whatever it is for your agency focus, get that off your plate. And usually the way I'd recommend starting would be to bring in a freelancer to help. They may be invisible to the clients. They certainly can meet clients if applicable, if appropriate. But by outsourcing some of the subject matter expert work, you would continue doing account management. You probably continue doing PM as well. But you can focus on the higher level work and you have other people executing on day-to-day subject matter expert pieces. Uh, So I'd start there as an initial step to help get day-to-day billables off your plate. And as far as which one of these roles is billable hours, so the strategic, the subject matter expert, are any of these other roles billable? Uh, Absolutely. So my account manager and project manager are billable. They tend to be less billable than a strategist or a subject matter expert. But my general baseline is your account managers and project managers, if we're looking at a 40-hour work week, not counting breaks and things like that. The account manager and project manager would bill at least half their time, so 20 hours a week. The other portion is typically for internal processes, sales support, relationship building, problem solving, that kind of thing. So AM, PM, 50%. Your subject matter experts, that's going to vary by role, but that could easily be 75 to 80%. And then your strategist will be somewhere in between, depending on how much time they spend on sales support that's not immediately billable, team mentorship, things like that. Basically, the more time someone spends on sales or internal marketing or leading a team, it makes sense to lower their billable target somewhat. In contrast, biz dev tends not to be billable at all, unless you've got, say, a marketing person who does some marketing internally and some marketing for clients, then that would be true. But that's really they're wearing two hats. They're wearing biz dev to market the agency. And then they're wearing an SME subject matter expert hat to do client billables. Support tends not to be billable. The one exception is sometimes you'll have operations people helping out with quality assurance. So they might be billing, you know, zero to 10% of their time for QA, quality control kind of testing. And do you have any examples? You work with a lot of people all over the world. Do you have some examples of a client, you don't have to be specific about it, but a client that maybe either struggled with this or brought on each one of these over time? Yeah. So I, I was speaking with the owner of an agency in the Northeastern U.S., And one of the challenges they had as they were growing, it was eight full-time plus some contractors. And they were wondering, is it time to hire a project manager? Answer, yes. Things were starting to slip through the cracks uh, because the individual subject matter experts were doing content creation. They were doing internal project management. They were doing client services. Most of them just wanted to write all day long. And you know what? Some people wanted to work with clients, but then they kept getting sucked into doing the SME work. That's where specialization comes in and where you can split out the roles. So in their case, my advice was hire a dedicated project manager. They had room in terms of their profit margins to do it. And once they get the PM on board, that PM would help them coordinate more highly billable team members. So potentially, they bring in the PM, probably pay them based on the experience level they needed under $100,000 a year. That person can help increase bills by $500,000, not counting their own billables. So that's an example And that also happened to be at the same time where they're trying to sort out 
do they need a project management system? Answer, yes. If you don't have a PM system, whether you've been in business for a while or you are just getting started, pick something. There are a lot of options. I have an article and it's up to almost 80 different PM software options. So I have another article about uh, how to choose the right PM software. So that's an example. I'd say hiring a PM tends to be a common situation. Another common situation might be if an agency is, say, smaller, say they're around five people today, it usually makes sense to consider hiring a subject matter expert because you want someone on board to help bill. You may not have the extra overhead to cover hiring a project manager or an account manager. In that case, get someone who's going to be highly billable. And the third category is if you're an owner, but you really don't like selling, someone needs to be selling. So in that case, agencies will sometimes hire a salesperson. That is a very risky hire because salespeople tend to be good at selling themselves, not necessarily at selling your agency services. Everything from people who are misrepresenting themselves to help the client avoid hiring someone who may have been a pathological liar based on my review of their material. So if you can keep doing sales yourself as the owner, even if you don't love it, you're probably going to do it better than many people you'd hire. I do have a, a solution though. If you're doing sales and you don't love it, it may make sense to hire a freelancer or hire a firm to do the BDR, the business development representative work. That's where you do the initial screening and qualifying, and then they turn it over to you. So by the time you're on the phone with your highly valuable time as the owner, I think of it as $1,000 an hour activity time, you know, things that only you could do as the owner. The person is pre-screened to sort out, do they have budget? Is there a need in general? Do they have authority? That kind of thing. So if you want to get rid of sales, maybe sort out the initial screening rather than hiring a full-stack salesperson. It seems like the people that go into this business are very creative and they may not be great at selling themselves per se. So it seems like that would be a really powerful role to get filled. But at the same time, there's the face of the brand. Do you think that the owner should still be part of the presentation? And where does that sort of fall in? One of those will depend on what are your long-term goals. As I think about agency growth goals, there's a continuum. At one end of the continuum is lifestyle agency. Your goals to keep running the agency for the foreseeable future, make above market compensation, get paid well, good profit margin, so on, and shift your role to focus on the things you like doing. The other end of the continuum is what I would call equity agencies. Your goal is to grow, to sell. Most people are somewhere in the middle, but they're going to lean either toward lifestyle or toward equity. Knowing what you want helps drive how involved you should be in your agency's marketing and sales and so on. So for instance, if you lean toward equity, you might be involved in thought leadership initially, but you want to bring in other people to help too, so that your agency's reputation isn't solely based on you, because it'll make it hard to sell if everyone hires your agency because of you. On the other hand, if you're more leaning toward a lifestyle business, in my case, and company is a lifestyle business, not planning to sell, planning to keep doing it for a long time. My doing thought leadership or even being on podcast episodes like this, I am the face of the business. That's okay. I'm not trying to get rid of that. So the answer depends on your goal. Do you lean toward lifestyle? Be the face of your brand, of your agency. If you lean more toward equity, look for ways to distribute that among others in the team so it's not solely on you. And as far as utilizing software for some of these, 
You mentioned the project manager software, 80 different types of uh, software. Finding new ones, yes. That is amazing. And so as far as all these different roles goes, there could be software for all these different things. Do you see companies spending lots and lots of money on software? Frequently. I mean, it adds up. And sometimes I I think people have uh, an idea or feeling pressure to find one software to do everything. Uh, And there are some good all-in-one programs, but they're different trade-offs. It's hard to find something that's really good at everything. So usually I'll see people using accounting software. I'll see people using some sort of project management software, which might or might not have a client communication component. Uh, There may be a CRM, maybe that's one CRM for sales and another CRM for sending emails or perhaps a combo kind of thing. And then, of course, specialized software for doing the work you're doing, everything from wireframes to other aspects of what you're doing. If you're thinking, ah, there's got to be one thing that'll do everything, it's tough. And usually there's a steep learning curve. The goal, though, is to minimize the number of programs so that you're not having to link everything together or enter duplicate data or things like that. Uh, But that's going to be unique to every person listening based on their circumstances. And one of the challenges uh, for me is that not all the software talks to each other the right way, or maybe it's tracking something hours in a certain way that's different from one program to the other, and then trying to get same sort of data so that you can tabulate something so that it makes sense. In your experience, if a client had a limited budget, is there certain software out there that you think that would encompass more of these types of roles? So if you're looking for an all-in-one program, the one that does well all-in-one is Workamajig. So you can use it for project management, you can use it for sales-related support, you can use it for accounting. The catch, though, is that there's a very steep learning curve. So if you're going to use Workamajig, you need to go all-in on it. Everyone needs to use it. You need to use it fully. Prepare to do some onboarding when you bring in new team members about getting them up to speed if they haven't used it before. Uh, on the other hand, if you're looking for, say, dedicated accounting software, QuickBooks is popular. Zero is known for having a somewhat better user experience. Certainly better to use some sort of software than none. Hey there, this is Heather. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the subscribe button now. That way you'll never miss an episode. All right, now back to the podcast. When it comes to project management, if your goal is primarily client communications, Basecamp is great for communications. It's not really a full-scale PM system in terms of time tracking and assigning things out and managing that that kind of thing. Teamwork and Asana tend to come up. Jira, depending on the work you're doing for PM. Ideally, you'd find something that will link to the other software you use. Uh, For instance, some people will use Harvest for time tracking, and then they'll tie that in to other project management software, and then tie that into other accounting software. So you need to find what works for you. It is worth looking at what are their integrations, because it's a lot easier if you can do a direct integration rather than having to cobble something together. And if there's not a direct integration, I would look for the option to connect it using Zapier, the automation platform. If you can build a Zap that connects two things, that might give you an alternate solution. It's not as good as an API linkage, but there we go. And by the way, for people listening, you're like, what is an API linkage? Basically, it's a native connection between two different software programs for things to run smoothly rather than trying to 
duct tape things together. Yeah. And it's amazing uh, all the software that's coming out that has that capability built in. I do want to ask you about your blog. Where do you come up with all of your ideas for your blog? And does this come from just different things that your clients ask you about? And then you're like, "Hmm, that's a good blog post idea. At at this point, my website, sakisandcompany.com, S-A-K-A-S-A-N-D, the word company.com, I have over 350 articles. Uh, Some of my clients joke that I have an article for everything. I have another 700 plus article ideas on top of that 350. Everywhere from a sentence or two, 2,000, couple thousand words. Almost all of my article ideas come from questions that clients ask, that prospective clients ask, or that maybe I don't hear people asking, but maybe they should be asking. It makes it easy to identify what to write about. And if I have a question that I hear several clients ask about in the same week, I know that way more people need help with that topic. And you know what, for everyone listening, if you're thinking, ah, gosh, how do I come up with article ideas or article or video ideas or podcast episode ideas or whatever it might be, pay attention to the questions that your clients keep asking and the questions that your prospects ask and the questions that maybe you're thinking to yourself they should be asking. It's a gold mine. Before we wrap up, I do want to mention the fact that I don't know if you've been able to do it lately, but that you have been bartending on an old timey train. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, so professionally, I focus 100% on helping agencies grow more profitably. And I'm based in the US. Clients are all over the world. At this point, I think 36 countries, every inhabited continent. I do narrow the number I work with at once. The goal is to be to create a boutique experience there. But outside of that, I, I have for over a decade volunteered as a bartender on an antique train. So it's a train car called the Dover Harbor. It was a Pullman car that operated from the 1930s through the 1960s. It's owned by a historic nonprofit in the Washington, D.C. area. So I'll work on trips, usually one to two a year. With the pandemic, of course, things are, are on pause but it's like something out of an old movie. And the people who are riding on board, we, everyone is a volunteer working on the car, hooked at the end of an Amtrak train. We have paying passengers, whether it's a charter or scheduled trip. And our goal is to create a level of service that most people alive today have never experienced before. There are bedrooms for overnight trips, beds flip down from the ceiling. Uh, there's a dining area with a small kitchen on board with really nice meals. On the cocktail side, it's drinks, mixed order served at your seat. Uh, there's even a rear vestibule to go out so you can you know, wave at people on the way. So it's a really nice experience. And ultimately, I, I enjoy seeing my client service skills applied around what can I do to create a nice experience for people. It's different from my consulting and coaching work, but there's some similarities around how do we help people meet their goals, where sometimes that might be last year revenue was up, but profit margins were down. Other times, it's someone who's trying to figure out what is the exact right drink they want at that moment. That's really cool. I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite cocktail to make? Do they have the old-timey drinks on this train as well? To an extent. uh, We do have a somewhat limited bar on the Dover Harbor because everything has to lock in a uh, credenza cabinet. We lock up the two most expensive things on the car which are the liquor and the light bulbs. (laughs) We we use a special electrical system, so it looks like a normal bulb, but the bulb costs like $10 a piece or something along those lines. So there's a limited amount of space. I will say my go-to favorite as a cocktail consumer, of course, not drinking while working on the trip, is a Vu Carre, which is from New Orleans. Very tasty. 
when it comes to making things for clients uh, or passengers on, on the trip, really it's whatever people are looking for, it's about them. It's not about me. I've written an article about applying the hero's journey concept from Joseph Campbell. If you can make your clients the hero and you're there as the helper, they're going to keep coming back. Focus on what other people want uh, rather than necessarily something that's focused on you. Your agency will go a long way. That's very nice. And for people that want to get in touch with you, I'll have links in the show notes, but uh, you've got your blog, you've got your website. How can people get a hold of you? If you're active on Twitter, I'm at Carlkus on Twitter. That's at K-A-R-L. S is in Sam, aka S is in Sam at Carl's. You can visit sakisandcompany.com, S A K A S A N D, the word company.com for hundreds and hundreds of articles. I'd recommend signing up for my newsletter. You get tips twice a week designed to help your agency. Several people have described it as one of the only emails they read every single time they receive it. An agency owner in Brazil posted earlier this year, according to the Portuguese translation on LinkedIn, that whenever he gets an email, he gathers his business partners and they spend 30 minutes reviewing what I shared. If you're looking to grow your agency profitably, you know, rather than just grow, but you find at the end of the day, you're like, why am I not making more money? Why am I so stressed out? I'd recommend signing up for the newsletter. You can get to that at sakusandcompany.com. If you're looking for one-on-one help, I have a range of offerings, boutique offerings that are more in-depth, limited number of clients at once, whether that's executive coaching or an agency roadmap project. Or if you're looking for one-off advice, I have that as an option as well. And you know what? If you reach out and you're like, I'm not ready for paid help yet, I can point you to some articles and and help you out and then talk when the time comes. You also have classes and webinars. And I remember from, I think it was one of your blog posts or maybe it was your newsletter that you had a client that wanted to munch on your brain. Yes. An agency owner in Florida said that he had been following my, my tips for a long time, my newsletter. He had seen me speak, I believe, at HubSpot's inbound conference a while back. Be my fourth year speaking at inbound this year, of course, remotely. But his comment was, uh, I could eat your brain all day long. <laughs> that is not quite on offer, but, if, but the next best would be to sign up for the newsletter. And also, if you're struggling to grow your agency, whether you're early on or you've been in business for a while and things aren't going smoothly, the better you can perform as a leader and a manager, the easier things will be. And I actually wrote a pocket guide to help with that. I call it Made to Lead. It's a pocket guide to managing marketing and creative teams. It is literally a pocket guide. It's small. Most people read it in 20 to 30 minutes, and they can go back to refer to it. The easier things are as a manager, the more you can get off your plate, and you can make yourself increasingly optional at work, which whether you lean toward lifestyle or the equity side of running your agency, more optional tends to be more fun. Thank you so much, Carl. You are, you're just like, I guess, man, people can just eat your brain all day, right? Because you're just- There we go. Listen to the podcast, eat my brain. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks again, Carl. Thanks for being on my podcast. Thanks, Heather. Hey, this is Heather. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you found value in the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave me a rating on iTunes or just simply tell a friend about it. And if you're interested in learning more about my profit advising and coaching, please set up a discovery call by using the link in the show notes. All right. Thanks so much and see you next time.